Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you again. Pastor will be back next week, so you only have to be patient with me for one more week, okay? Uh, Last week, uh, I did ask the question, are you a patient person? Now, it was interesting, the response that I got from that, what I seemed to get back was a resounding no. (laughs) Uh, Well, hopefully, last week, you learned a little bit about what patience is and God's expectation for us about learning to be a patient person. We looked at the book of James last week in James chapter 5, and we'll put that up on the screen for you. James says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. And as James tells us to be patient, we, uh, we learned that the kind of patience that he's talking about is not necessarily what we always think about in terms of being patient. Often we think about being patient when there's a line of traffic and we have to wait and wait and wait. Please be patient. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, if the, uh, I, I mentioned last week, if the, the kids come over, the grandkids come over, and we're working on a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, uh, they want to cut and run after the box has been opened and the pieces are poured out, right? I mean, that's about how much patience they have. But that's not really what James is talking about. For James, patience is giving people time to change rather than getting frustrated and losing your cool. We learned that the word patience can be brought over into English as long-tempered. But we don't have the term long-tempered in English. We simply have the opposite of it, being short-tempered, correct? Well, think of the opposite of that. Being patient is not losing your cool. Being patient in James is the idea of restraining the wrath and the anger and the decision to punish with respect to people. This word that's used here in James chapter 5 is always used with reference to people. People can get on our nerves. People can just bug us to death. And we just feel like we need to just smack them one right across the nose, you know? Um, But James says to us that we as Christians need to learn to be patient with people. Patient with your spouse. 
patient with your children, patient with your neighbor, patient with your boss, and maybe sometimes even patient with your pastor, who knows. We need to learn to be patient. We need to give people time rather than getting frustrated and losing our cool. Well, that was my question for you last week. I have a different question for you this week. Are you a godly example of patience to others? There's a little difference in this question. Last week's question, are you a patient person, only has two people in view. You and the person that drives you crazy. Correct? And you need to learn to be patient. Don't lose your cool. Give them time. But when I ask the question... Are you an example of godly patience to others? It brings in a third party. For you see, our relationship with others, how we react to others, is being seen by others. We are examples in our relationships with others. We are either ungodly examples of being impatient, or we are godly examples. As we move on in this passage, we notice that James gives us an example of patience. At verse 10, he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke to you in the name of the Lord. Last week, we looked at an example of patience, but it was kind of a generic example. It was the example of the farmer. Farmers need to be patient people because the crops don't come immediately, correct? They have to be patient. They have to wait for the early rains and the later rains. They have to think about the precious fruit. They have to be patient. Well, that's nice when it comes to farming and crops. But now James gives us a more specific example. The example of the prophet. You know... God desires examples. The Apostle Paul, in writing to a young pastor, says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, Be, uh, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. God desires Example. Now, this verse is written, this book actually, 1 Timothy, is written to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. I can remember uh, at the age of 25, I became the pastor of a church. 
I'm a little beyond 25 now. And to be very truthful with you, I think back to that church and I say to myself, what were those people thinking? A 25-year-old, wet-behind-the-ears young guy is going to be the pastor of a church? Well, that was kind of Timothy's situation. And Paul says, don't let anyone despise you or look down their nose at you because you're young. In other words, he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you need to act beyond your age. You need to act like somebody that's more 45 than 25. Don't let them do that. And the way you do that is by being an example. Look at all of these wonderful qualities in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. All of these ways. Be an example. God desires examples. He wants us to be examples in the church, in the home, in the community, in the workplace. Be an example. But not only does God desire examples, he uses examples. To the Philippian church, Paul wrote this. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You see, examples are provided so that others might imitate them. Some time ago, I spoke on being mimics and models. In the very same way, God wants us to be examples so that others might imitate our godliness. And guess what? Just as Paul says to them, keep your eyes on those, there are people watching you. There are people watching you in your home. There are people watching you in your neighborhood. There are people watching you in the workplace. There are people watching you in the church. Whether we want to be or not, we are always being watched. The question is, what will people see? What will your children see? What will your neighbors see? What will your coworkers see? Will they see examples of godliness? Or will they see something that turns them off to God? We need to be examples. Take the prophets as examples. Wouldn't it be wonderful if one day the pastor could say, 
Take such and such as an example. You could be that person. Well, what does it take to be a godly example of patience? What does it take? You say, well, that's obvious. You have to be patient, correct? Obviously, you can't be a godly example of patient if you're impatient. Ah, but if we go back to James chapter 5, we will notice that it takes something else as well. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke to you in the name of the Lord. You cannot be an example of patience unless you are in a situation that requires you to be patient. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Can you imagine me saying, you know what? I was the most patient father in the world. My children were perfect. Well, if you have perfect children, you don't need to be patient, do you? I am the most patient worker at my job. Well, of course, my, my boss is perfect. You cannot demonstrate patience if you are not in a situation where you need patience. So, as James talks to us about this example of the prophets, he says to us, look at their example of suffering and patience. We begin to understand someone's patience only when we begin to understand their suffering. If there is nothing no one that frustrates them, if there is no one that is taking advantage of them, if there is no one that is not driving them crazy, where's the patience? If you want to be an example of patience, then you've got to put up with the suffering. Now, I know that some of you are saying, Pastor, you need to walk in my shoes a mile before you start getting on my case about suffering. You don't know what I have been through. I have been through so much with this person. You can understand why I am no longer patient. Well, I suppose if we're to understand the patience of the prophets we have to take a little look at their sufferings. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 says this about the prophets. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And yet, 
in spite of all of this, they were patient. So, before you discount this whole idea that you need to keep on suffering, I think you need to compare your suffering, your situation, with that of the prophets. Now, last week when we talked about this idea of patience, I said that it was patience with respect to people. That's what this word is all about. Patience with respect to people. There's another word for patience that Pastor Greg is going to deal with next week that deals with patience in situations. When things don't go well. When you're suffering because of sickness. Or you're suffering because of poverty. Or you're suffering because you can't get a job. That's a different kind of patience. The patience that we're looking at is a patience with respect to people. But as I take a look at the sufferings of the prophets, were there sufferings with respect to people? It looks like their sufferings were with respect to situations. Ah, but the prophets suffered because of people. Look with me. In 1 Kings chapter 19 at verse 10. Now 1 Kings chapter 19 uh, provides a story about one of the more familiar prophets of the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. Elijah was a prophet to Israel. And Israel had turned away from God. And so God raised up this prophet Elijah to go and work with these people to bring them back to God. And he didn't have an easy ministry. Everybody opposed him. He was opposed by the false prophets. He was opposed by the the, the normal everyday person. He was opposed by the king and the queen. Nobody wanted to hear him. And you know, one day, Elijah had it. He said, basically, I'm done. And he ran away down into the desert, pouting. And God came to Elijah And he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Here's his response. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Lord, I've had it with these people. So I want you to understand that the sufferings of Elijah were sufferings related to people. Do you know what God said to Elijah? Get up and get back to work. My paraphrase. But that's pretty much what the story goes on to say. Get up and get back to work. Okay, you've had a tough time with these people. Okay, they're trying to kill you. They've killed the other prophets. You need to remain patient. You need to remain patient. Now, when it comes to these people, 
God gave the ultimate example of being patient with Israel. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 2 and 3. The Lord says this, I spread out my hands all the day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, follow their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. Basically, that's talking about idolatry. He says, look, I've put up with a lot when it comes to this people. They're rebellious. They're selfish and do their own thing. They provoke me all the time. And they go whoring after other gods. And yet, all day long, I spread out my hand. Well, what do you mean, Lord? You spread out your hand. I think for many of us, we say, oh, I know what that means. Boom. But that's not what this, word, this means. The spreading out of the Lord's hands is this. All day long, I appeal to them. I beg them. I encourage them. I hold back the wrath. That's what it is to be patient. You can only display patience when you are willing to enter into the struggle. Don't give up on people. And I don't know what your particular situation is. But I can almost guarantee you that many of you are in a great struggle with people. Maybe it's a struggle with a spouse. Maybe it's a struggle with a child. Maybe it's a struggle with a neighbor. Maybe it's a struggle with a parent. Maybe it's a struggle with a coworker. God says, stay in the struggle. Stay in the struggle. It's testing your patience. But it should not destroy it. Well, I have one more question for you. What did the prophets do that required their patience? Going back to James chapter 5, it says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What did they do? They spoke about God. They spoke God into the lives of those that were the source of their frustration. They spoke God into the lives of those that were trying to kill them. You see, when it comes to that other person that is driving you crazy, 
you can think of that other person in one of two ways. You can think of that person as a menace that you want to get rid of. And you want to smack them across uh, you know, the nose. Or you can think of that person as a ministry. That in spite of all that they have done, all that they continue to do, all of their rebellion, all of their selfishness, all of their abuse, the goal of patience is to see a change by speaking into their lives the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Again, Paul writes to Timothy, this young pastor, and he says this. Preach the word. Now, I don't necessarily like that translation. Because really what it means is to proclaim the message. This is not the word for a pastor getting up in front of a group with three points in a prayer. That's not what this word is. It simply means to proclaim, proclaim the message of God. Speak into the hearts of people about me. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. If we wait for just the right time, guess what? It probably won't come. We need to be speaking the word. Speaking God into the hearts of people, even when it's difficult. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience. There's our word again. And teaching. You see, if that person that's driving you crazy isn't seen by you as a ministry, but only as a menace, you will not be patient with them. You will not speak into their lives as God wants you to do. You will simply get angry and want to smack them in the nose. He goes on and says to Timothy, as for you, Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, somebody who shares God. Fulfill your ministry. Now, I believe in the providence of God. I believe that every person that comes your way is put there by God. And God places those people in your path so that you might have a ministry to them. But they cost me way too much suffering. They're too hard. They're too much of a menace. No, they're not. You need to be patient. You need to turn the menace into a ministry. Many years ago, when our children were really quite young, um, I met uh, a man who was schizophrenic. Uh, Lived on the street for the most part. 
had a huge beard, shook all the time, smelled terrible. And uh, I used to invite him over for Thanksgiving, for Easter, for special days. (laughs) And I want to tell you, my first reaction to such a person is, let me get as far away from them as possible. Okay? Because all they're going to do is be a menace. He's going to come and disrupt the day. He's going to, you know, try to mess everything up. But John was, for me, a ministry. A ministry. And he remained that way for many years. As long as you see that other person as a menace, you will not understand the sufferings and patience of the prophets. You must see them as ministries. Let me close with Jude. As Jude writes to the church and he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, that could mean stay doctrinally pure. But I think what Jude is saying is, God has loved you. You need to wrap yourself in that love. You need to be just as loving as God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Once again, that may be looking at the second coming of the Lord. But I take it in a different way. I need to wait patiently in the midst of of the conflict with others for the mercy of God to come into their life. Because that mercy will lead to eternal life. Those menaces God wants to see in heaven. Those people that are driving you crazy God sees as a precious soul that deserves mercy And so he says, have mercy on those that doubt. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. On others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Are we going to be able to transform every menace into a trophy of God's mercy? No, we will not. but we still need to work with them to be patient with people seeing them as someone for whom Christ died. Being to them an example of godliness so that some of them will be snatched out of the fire. 
it is not easy to listen to such a message. I understand that. It is not easy to be patient with those that are truly menaces in your life. And I thank the Lord that this message didn't come from me. It came from him. This is God's word to us. I pray that when you leave this building, you will not forget. Be patient. Be patient. See people as ministries. And remember, there are people watching you. As we close, we're going to be doing things a little differently for the first of the month. We will not be having communion because we had communion on Good Friday. But we are going to be taking up our monthly offering uh, for the poor and the needy, those that have special needs. This fellowship fund offering is not designed to support the ministries of the church. It is given 100% to the needs of others. So as the ushers come, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask that you give from your hearts so that others might see the love of Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you um, that you have been patient with us. We were rebellious. We were unloving, unlovely. And yet, you stretched out your hands to us. And you gave us mercy. Oh, Father, help us to be patient with those around us. And extend to them the very mercy that you have extended to us. And now, Father, use this offering so that others might see the love that we have for you, that we might share that love, even in our gifts. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.